I'm not going to stray from this script. Okay, I'll get myself into trouble if I do. But this is Pastor Josh's message. And I have the great privilege of being able to bring it to you. Um, I'm very grateful for uh, God bringing Pastor Josh to us. um, I'll just leave it at that. As uh, Aaron has mentioned, uh, if you have your Bibles with you, then you have the truth, and and I hope you do. We're back in Matthew chapter 5, continuing with uh, this great text, and Josh has just opened up the word to me over the last several weeks um, on the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 9, where it blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I almost said blessed are the pacemakers. As one of my clients told me, he has a pacemaker that didn't work very well, and he found himself on the ground, and his dog licking his face because his uh, pacemaker kind of didn't work very well. But blessed are the pacemakers and the peacemakers. All right, I'm already getting off script, so we're going to keep moving on. There are two questions I want to answer this morning in connection with this seventh beatitude. What is it to be called sons of God? And what is it to be a peacemaker? What is it to be called sons of God and what is it to be called a peacemaker? Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. And along the way, we will see how being a peacemaker and a son of God are connected. Okay, what is it to be called sons of God? In our Bibles, whenever Jesus or one of the other New Testament writers speak about Christians being sons of God, they mean principally three things. Number one, that we are heirs. Number two, that we have been reborn into a new family. And number three, that we share the character and nature of our Father, both in the inner sincerity of our hearts and outwardly in the things we say and do. Okay, the first one, sonship, means that we are heirs. Galatians 3, 26 through 29 says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ... There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Excuse me. We might wonder that the biblical writers use this phrase, sons of God, instead of the more inclusive and broader phrase, children of God. However, Paul, the human author of Galatians, has a very good and specific reason for using that phrase. Speaking to the realities surrounding who could legally be an heir in that culture and at that time. By saying there is no male or female, and by saying to a mixed audience that included women, you are all sons, Paul is making a statement about who could be counted as heirs in the household of God. In the ancient world, of course, property 
and wealth were typically not passed on to daughters or slaves or foreigners. But here Paul very deliberately says that in Christ, women, slaves, and Greeks can become sons, therefore heirs according to a promise. This again, this is again why Paul says in Galatians 4, 7, so you are no longer slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. By describing women and foreigners as slaves as sons, Paul is affirming the worth and dignity of all people, regardless of gender, ethnicity, or economic standing. And he is saying that all people could equally become sons of God, heirs according to promise. The next one, sonship, means that we have been reborn into a new family. We are all utterly disqualified by birth from entrance to family of God. We were all brought forth in iniquity, stained with the original sin of Adam. It's strange to say, but every Christian parent earnestly hopes that their children will one day be adopted into another family. When a person puts their trust in Jesus for salvation, they become born again and are adopted by the Father. If we aren't sons of God, then that means that we are outside of the family of God. So in reality, this is, like all the other rewards so far listed in the Beatitudes, a description of final salvation. 1 John 3.1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Listen to Romans 8.15-17. through 17. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Lastly, sonship means that we resemble our father in the inner sincerity of our hearts. John 8:44 says, you are, of your, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. It does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Who do you resemble this morning? Lastly, sonship means that we resemble our Father outwardly in the things we say and do. John five nineteen. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, then the, fa- then the Son does likewise. When Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. He is not telling us how to become a son of God. Rather, Jesus is simply saying that sons of God are, in fact, peacemakers. What is it to be a peacemaker? Peace with God is first rooted in surrender, not a ceasefire. Next Sunday, we'll mark the first Sunday of Advent as we enter the Christmas season. 
This is the season where we celebrate the coming into the world of the one who is described in Old Testament prophecy as the Prince of Peace and whose birth the angels announced to the shepherds singing, and on earth peace to those on whom God's favor rests. God is a peace-loving God and a peacemaking God. The whole history of redemption that climaxed in the death and resurrection of Jesus is God's strategy to bring about a just and lasting peace between rebellious man and himself. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5.1. When the angelic choir proclaimed peace to the shepherds, they were not declaring a ceasefire between truth and error. There was no summit where God and rebellious man ironed out their differences and agreed to disagree. No, the peace that the angels proclaimed is born out of the total victory of truth over error on the cross. And so we need to see as a foundational starting point that peace with God comes first through surrender, not a ceasefire. The only way to be at peace with God is to surrender to him Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 2.14, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. In the first century Roman world, a triumphal procession was a Roman military parade in which the defeated, one-time enemies of Rome, were paraded through the streets in chains as a trophy of the conquering power of Rome. So when Paul says that Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, he is saying that he regarded himself as a trophy of God's victorious conquering power in Christ. He is celebrating the fact that he had been conquered and made to surrender. In this verse, Paul is amazingly celebrating his defeat. Paul understood himself as few men do. C.S. Lewis once said, fallen man is not simply an imperfect creature who needs improvement. He is a rebel who must lay down his arms. Paul had been a rebel, and the gracious, merciful thing that God did for him was to defeat him in, an, in his rebellion. He was conquered and captured by the love of Jesus. Because we have surrendered to God, we no longer operate as little monarchs. James 4, 1 and 2 says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Only once we have surrendered to the conquering love of Jesus. And once we have celebrated that defeat, can we then be peacemakers in our relationships with others? Peacemakers are people who are not always looking at everything in terms of the effect it has on them. An unconquered person who has never surrendered to Jesus and whose heart has never been occupied by the Holy Spirit will be full of self-interested passions self-interested plans and self-interested outrage. And when their self-interested passions and plans and outrage collide with those of others, what results is war. They covet and cannot obtain, so they fight and they quarrel. What James is describing with this kind of language is not a people who have surrendered and submitted to God, 
but who remain little monarchs in their own minds and who are still asserting their rights and pursuing their own little agendas. They are petty kings, not sons. They are the main character in a story that centers and terminates upon them so that they don't make peace, they make war. However, the Christian cheerfully proclaims, I am not my own, I was bought at a price. Christians have surrendered and so they no longer represent themselves in their dealings with others. But now they represent the interests and goals of the one who conquered them. Their own small agendas have been replaced with the interests of the kingdom. This is at the core of what it means to be a peacemaker. The heart of the peacemaker resonates with verses like Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. In Romans 12, 1 through 21, repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The tongue is often the front line of our peacemaking efforts. A peacemaker is one who often doesn't say things. These days, it is common for people to say things like, I call it like I see it, or I'm somebody who just speaks my mind, as though that were a virtue. However, Proverbs 10:19 says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. And Proverbs 29, 20, do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Peacemakers are people who are learning to control their tongue. And do you know what is harder even than finding the right words to say? It is finding the self-control to say nothing at all sometimes. Gossip dies unrepeated in the ears of a peacemaker. Peacemakers do not return fire with fire. And James 1, 19 and 20 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. When a peacemaker does speak, their speech should be gentle and gracious. James 1, 19, 20, Know this, my beloved a soft answer turns away wrath. This is Proverbs 15:1. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer each person. 
Lastly, peacemakers are evangelists. For 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are living inside of a story, a great unfolding drama, whose character is Jesus, and the great arc of history of that story came to a dramatic turning point on a hill outside Jerusalem where Jesus willingly surrendered himself to an incredible act of gracious, peacemaking reconciliation on the cross. Ephesians 2, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. The sin in the garden by which all mankind became estranged from God was an act of peace, shattering rebellion. In every attempt on the part of mankind to find peace apart from being reconciled to God the Father, through Jesus can only result in a warped, deformed, and misshapen humanity. We will never live straight and true as human beings until we have been set right with the Father through the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And so part of what it is to be a peacemaker is not only to live peaceably and to make peace between estranged people, but to implore the lost on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Come in, surrender, and know peace at the foot of the cross. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we want to be peacemakers. We want to be considered sons of God. And we thank you that we are, not out of our own wisdom or our own character or behavior, but what Jesus did for us and continues to do for us. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for regeneration, for that continuing work by your spirit to change us, to become more like him. And in that, we will help others to know you and to find peace. Peace with you, peace with others, peace within themselves. Lord, continue that work of changing us and using us. We make ourselves available to you. I pray for my friends here. I thank you for them and I love them. Lord, encourage us today. Help us to look to you today and this week. Help us to be a voice of peace and love to those around us in Jesus' name.